Hey everybody, uh, Amber Fuller, licensed marriage family therapist, uh, business owner, and uh, business owner of Fuller Living Counseling and entrepreneur. Uh, we, uh, in case y'all don't know, we deliver services in Minnesota, Washington, Indiana, Wisconsin, Montana, and Florida. I think I hit them all this time. Um, I figured it'd be a great Time to throw out the first video podcast that uh, has been done. Dylan's not here right now. It's the weekend. It's a great time for him to catch up on doing errands and uh, all the things that he desires to do on the weekend. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do, honestly. He's got Giovanni with him, and um, I think they're going to spend the day together, and uh, they're picking one of Brody's friends up and Brody's going to be here soon to hang out with his friend, get an assignment done that he promised me he would get done. So hopefully he, I don't know if I can do that with my spinal cord injury. Ugh, I can. That's an accomplishment. I used to not be able to even hold my phone. Um, so just figured, uh, yeah, I think I'm ready to make a, a, a vlog. vlog. I think that's what it's called. There's something that I have wanted to, um, <clears throat> let's see here. Let's get this set up in a, in a way that makes the most sense. So there's something that I've wanted to, um, actually, I wonder if I can put it right here. I can. Why is it doesn't disappear? It kind of did. Um, there's something I, I wanted to go over, um, and Dylan isn't really required to go over this. It'd be fun and interesting to have him here to talk about the ways in which um, he had participated in uh, this, but we don't really need him to do it, um, to, to be here in order to go through it. Um, so we talked a little bit about it. Gosh, I'm going to keep looking at my hair if I doing a vlog. Maybe it's better to just stick to a podcast. <laughs> and my desk is squeaky. Um, and I'm not going to wear headphones. I'm not, I don't need to look all professional. I just want to be real and raw on me. Not that wearing headphones is wrong. I just, I'm not into that. Um, Dylan and I talked a little bit about it in our last podcast. We talked a little bit about covert, uh, narcissism versus overt narcissism. And before I go into that, there are a couple of things that I wanted to clarify. Um, so the first thing I wanted to clarify was I was re-listening to the podcast that Dylan and I had done together. And I was listening to his response when I asked him what the response was that we received when his, when he had told his family members that he had cheated on me. And he initially had said, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be damning or that that's going to be very damning. And what he meant by that was the response that, that I received, that I was on the receiving end of was very damning. Um, it was very much so, uh, what's Amber's problem? Why does she think that there's, why does she think there's an issue with this? Um, why don't you just forgive him? Mind you, I had just found out that this had happened. It was not in um, Minnesota. I was in Dylan's hometown when I found this out. I had to book a ticket home. It was 
it was a terrible experience and um, yet when I look back on it it is one of the best things that's ever happened to us which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point and why we say that um, but for now I'm sticking to clarifying that and the other thing that I wanted to clarify was that um, using the word narcissism or narcissistic is not a way to justify or minimize a person who chooses the behaviors that they choose so um, I think that narcissistic personality disorder is just that. It's a personality disorder. And uh, you can change your behaviors by changing your thoughts. It's very difficult for people who have narcissistic personality disorder, but they can change. Anything can change. You can always teach an old dog new tricks. My grandma, for example, she lost um, my grandpa, who was an incredible man. She lost him at a pretty young age. And... 20, 30 years later, she got remarried. Um, she went through whatever it is she went through. Uh, shout out to grandma. I don't, I'd have to ask her what she went through in order to decide to get remarried, but I never thought she'd get remarried, but she did. And you can always teach an old dog new tricks and change is always possible, regardless of whether or not you believe in my hope or you believe in a different hope. Um, it's just always possible. So wanted to clarify that I think from this point moving forward, I don't know that Dylan and I will talk about um, when, when chatting together. I don't know that we'll talk about narcissism as though it is a diagnosis. I think we'll talk about it as though it's a choice of behavior um, because to talk about it as though it's a diagnosis just further enables that victim mentality that narcissist, narcissistic people struggle with. Uh, so shout out to my mom who <laughs> brought that to my attention this morning. Um, she's so smart. <laughs> Anybody who knows my mom knows she's so smart. They also know that. <laughs> so my mom, um, works at Fuller Living Counseling and she will, um, talk to the providers and then they'll call me and talk to me and they'll say things like, I just love your mom so much. She's like, she just tells me, Jane you just got to get pissed. And then she'll start praying to the Lord like an angel. <laughs> That's my mom. Um, we grew up saying, I have a TENS unit on my shoulder. If you don't know what that is, Google it, TENS unit. Um, hashtag spinal cord injury, hashtag Dr. Shit. Um, yeah, we grew up saying my mom. Uh, <laughs> we grew up saying... You better watch out. She'll go Debbie Almond on your ass. So um, it's fun. It's fun to have her on our team. Okay. I don't know that she'll like that very much. I think she knows. Um, the difference between uh, covert narcissism and overt narcissism comes with a different kind of violence. And this um, covert narcissism is so hard to spot which is also an episode of its own. <laughs> um, I wanted to say it's hard to spot in the church because that's where I've, I've seen it. That's where my friends are. And that's where I've seen, um, and heard, um, and had a hard time spotting it. I don't have a hard time spotting it in my office when people are in my office and they have that, they want to change it when spouses of them are in my office and they're struggling with a significant other with it, they want to work on changing it. 
but where I've seen it and had a hard time spotting it because they're not there to fix it is with my friends who are in the church. That's where my friends are. Do I have friends outside of the church? Yes, lots of them. But my good, close, confidant, I'll pray for you with all my heart friends, they're in the church. So it's been very frustrating. Oh my gosh, so many episodes. So many episodes. Um, it was, it, I have a close friend of mine who maybe at some point I'll interview. Uh, if she's cool with it, she probably would be. Close friend of mine who was dealing with a husband who now, well, we'll just stick with husband. She was dealing with a husband who was definitely um, choosing to be a covert narcissist. And um, I'm getting kind of spicy today. Uh, and tricking, like just tricking people. Like you would have no idea, but I did. I did because Dylan was in this class and... Um, we would we would read over the list of the list of things that were happening. And to that, I want to also say a person could say, well, there's two sides to every story. You know what? There freaking is. There's a perpetrator and there's a victim. The victim is one side of the story and the perpetrator is another. And if I had a quarter for how many times I have heard that statement, oh, there's two sides to every story, I would be rich. I'd have a lot of money. It's so invalidating and it is uh, so egregious. It's such an egregious and ignorant statement. And I have to be very careful because I'll get on my soapbox and get super passionate about it. And that's not the point to this. So um, my point in in this um, quick 30-minute video vlog is to just go over examples might turn into 45 an hour we'll see how this goes um give examples of what is uh covert violence um for me i had to be given the list and the words and it was so empowering and so validating when given this list because the thing about people who choose covert narcissistic behavior is that they're choosing behavior intentionally that you can't, when they say, what did I do? What did I do wrong? You can't put your finger on it. You can't put words to it. And that's their game. Like that's, that's all part of the plan. They, that's the setup is the behavior is done in such a way where you're unable to identify identify it or find the words to identify it. So when I was able to find the words to identify it, it was relieving and probably cried because sometimes when I get overwhelmed with emotion, I release that those feelings that I am overwhelmed with through tears, not because I am dramatic, but because I am a deep feeler as most INTJs are, but most people wouldn't know that. Um, so here's here. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna dig into it. I'm gonna dig into some of the these examples of covert violence. Uh, the first example is um, powering over. So this is when a person forces their will on another person. For example, um, I have an example from today actually. And if we're gonna keep this real, real and honest and raw. My example from today is that um, 
so today was one of those one of those mornings and they don't happen very often anymore dylan's been doing the work he's been doing great um it happens about once a week where he's got this explosion where he chooses these this pattern of narcissistic behavior and um this morning was that morning and as a result of it um Giovanni's wishes and wants were on the line and that's why Dylan is spending the day with Gio to rebuild the rapport that was and the trust that was broken um in that in that in that um situation so um and he apologized and made it right he made it right with me because I'm his mama bear and um <laughs> me and Giovanni have lots of PTSD over 15 macaron cookies <laughs> from two years ago so or a year ago so um everything's fine but one of the things that happened was that dylan had threatened to leave which left giovanni not getting something that he had been waiting all morning for um dylan was upset with me for confronting him about um the way that he was treating geo and as a result of that he had said threatened well, I'm just going to leave. He's at, he's, he was at my house. So he had said, well, I'm just going to leave then. Which so then resulted in Giovanni not getting what he wanted and had been waiting for. And also um, it turned Dylan into a victim when the choices that he was making were making us the victims. So um, that's an example of um, forcing, forcing your will on another. Like we were stuck. We had to... We're, we're at the, we were at the mercy of him. And, um, one of the things that I had said to my mom, actually, um, and Dylan talked, Dylan, my mom and Dylan talk to when Dylan's in this state of mind, my mom is really the only one who can calm him down. She is his mom. He identifies her as his mom. And so, um, she said, <laughs> give him the phone. And so I gave him the phone. I went outside had my little moments where I poked my head in and said my piece here and there and chose unhealthy reactive behavior in those moments. Um, but I just really care about the truth and I just really care about the truth being told. So if I peek my head in, it's usually because the truth isn't being told. And so I'm like, no, here's the truth. Here's what really happened. But, um, I have no idea. Oh, so I was telling her, um, the situation after he had talked with her and clarifying things that she had been misinformed of. And I said, you know what, like my kids should not be at the mercy of their father. They should be receiving mercy from their father. I receive mercy from my heavenly father. I am never at his mercy. I receive his mercy. And when my kids aren't receiving that and I have their dad saying, I desire to do God's will. Okay, well, we're going to talk about what God's will is. And God's will is that your children be on the receiving end of your mercy and not on the receiving end of being at your mercy. So um, I talked to my mom about buying Gio this thing that he wanted that Dylan has. And Dylan is at, or Gio is at Dylan's mercy when it comes to using this thing. And my mom was like, yeah, but if you buy this for him, he's going to like not take care of it again. And then at 18 years old, he's going to, you know, have the, these things that he doesn't take care of. I'm like, I know mom, but I never want my kids to be at the mercy of their dad. 
Like that's not something that I that I want for my kids. Even if it means that they're 18 years old and they're not taking care of their things and I know that that's not I know that that's not good. I would hope that in that process my children would learn to take care of their stuff. Um but I ne- I just never they should never be at the mercy of of their of their caretaker. Um only receiving mercy from. So it's like, I'm just going to buy him one so that this never happens again. Cause I'm tired of this happening. Um, we'll see how he takes care of it. We'll see how he does with it. I just, if he broke it, I'd buy him another one. Cause I don't like that. He is at it. I, I don't like that this is happening. So, um, I think powering over another good way to describe that is being at the mercy of, um, needing to act a certain way and give the person who's choosing narcissism the things that they want in order to create peace um and yeah just being at their mercy um the next uh uh covertly violent behavior is uh, passing blame black sheep where you are taking um the the burden of responsibility off of yourself as the person choosing narcissism and putting it onto the victim so that you can be seen in the, in the positive light. So for example, that would happen in conversations that um, Dylan would have with people when in the middle of an explosion, when in the middle of one of his explosions where he'd get on the phone and then um, not own that he did something that was abusive and then talk about the reaction. And by the way, a reaction to somebody's abusive behavior isn't abuse. I want to make that really clear. Like when you're being abused, your, your reaction to abuse is not abuse. That's like saying Johnny gets hit with the head, hit in the head with a bat. Johnny stands up. Johnny pushes the kid who hit him in the head with the bat. Johnny did nothing wrong. Johnny did nothing wrong. Actually, it's like saying Johnny did nothing wrong. He got hit, hit, hit in the head with the bat. He stood up and he said, why'd you hit me in the head with the bat? That's not abuse. Johnny was abused. Johnny reacted to the abuse that he had endured. So, uh, in that situation with Johnny, it would be the person with the bat saying, well, Johnny was there. He was in my way. Which is the narcissist's way of trying to paint the innocent person out to be the the perpetrator and put themselves in a favorable light. Um, that's another, another very, very strategic and manipulative, passively violent thing that um, narcissists choose sometimes. Uh, the other one is minimizing. <laughs> it's a great one. Uh, it's what happened when um, I found out that I was cheated on. So, um, oh, it was just one woman. It was only one woman. It wasn't. It wasn't five of them or scooters. Scoot my drink on over. It wasn't. It wasn't five of them. It wasn't ten of them. It was only one of them. Minimizing is, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's when 
person chooses a behavior that's abusive and then they say, oh, it was only this. Like, I only did this. Or, um, I only, I only, I don't know. Yeah, I've only done that once. It's, it's easy to understand what minimizing is. Making it, making, it's treating somebody somebody's actions is less severe than what they are. Uh, this is a great one too. Uh, instead of playing the perpetrator, playing the victim. So that's an obvious one. Making it appear as though you as the perpetrator, you were the one wronged in some way, instead of being the one who did the wrong. Um, Man, that's a hard one, that one. That was annoying. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch Sister Wives. I love Sister Wives. I'm obsessed with Sister Wives. It's been, uh, I've watched Sister Wives from season one and I've seen the family evolve and the wives evolve and Cody Brown evolve and Cody Brown, he plays the victim a lot. Um, he didn't used to in his earlier seasons, but if you've watched the most recent seasons, Cody Brown has created the situation that he's in. Um, and he he's the one who he he's the one who acts like he's the victim to Christine leaving him. Sorry, that's a spoiler. Um, he's the one who acts like the victim to Christine leaving him. When when you watch previous episodes and you um, get into YouTube like I do and watch interviews of the kids and read the book and you'll find that um, Cody Brown created every situation that they're in and the wives, all of them, but Robin really are the victim to his behavior, but he plays the victim a lot. So if you need to see an example of what it means to play the victim, you can watch an episode, a recent episode of Sister Wives. Um, and the next one is shifting blame. So it's exactly what it is. Johnny hits, Johnny hits the kid in the head with the baseball bat and takes the onus of responsibility off of him and says he was in my way. I mean, that, that's pretty, it's a pretty easy one to, to explain. Ooh, making excuses instead of taking responsibility for the misbehavior, you make excuses for the behavior. So yeah, but yeah, but you did this. Yeah, but you did that. Yeah, but you did this. Yeah, but you did that. And by the way, all of these usually come out when you're trying to, in a healthy way, confront somebody about something that they did that caused you pain, like what you do in normal healthy relationships. Um, and people who choose narcissistic behavior, they have a really hard time with confrontation and that's when these these types of behaviors usually light up. Um, so it's 
um, I'm stressed out and overwhelmed and I acted like a narcissist because uh, I'm stressed out and overwhelmed. That's no excuse. Like we're, we're all stressed out. It's 2023. We're all overwhelmed. Um, I have a spinal cord injury. I don't have the right to people to treat people like because of my spinal cord injury. Like, I don't. So excuse making is just that. It's saying, I have a spinal cord injury, so I have the right. Or that's the reason why I'm treating people this way. No, no, you, you don't get to make excuses. Um... The other one is um, having a reaction that is um, abrupt and angry. And um, I would like to highlight a covert explosion or a covert anger reaction. That usually happens in the form of passive aggressive jabs or sarcasm. Um, or silence, stonewalling, that's a rage react, those are rage reactions, that covert rage reactions, stonewalling is the next one, so it's me saying to Dylan, hey Dylan, it really hurt me when you said X, Y, and Z, and then of course we go through all of those things that I just listed off, and then he chooses to not talk to me for three days because I told him that he hurt my feelings when he did X, Y, and Z. Or that it hurt my feelings when he did X, Y, and Z. You guys, I went three months without Dylan talking to me once. <laughs> like, three months. It was a long time. Um, there was another time where I went three weeks and three, so not three months, but three weeks and I called my good friend, and he called Dylan up, and he was like, "Dylan, what's going on, man? Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop over. We're gonna go out to dinner. We're gonna talk about what's going on." Um, in that time, my grandmother had passed away, and um, Dylan didn't have the right to know about it because he was stonewalling me, and uh, I went through that by myself with my four-month-old. Well, he's probably, he wasn't four months old at the time. I think he was probably two. Um, and, yeah, that was a three-week one. I think there was another three. I think that's a different one that I'm thinking of. Because with this one, what had come out was that, so it was five years. Yeah, okay, so the little one was five years old. And we, and um, I had found out that, uh, Dylan was still struggling with uh, sex addiction, and um, that's what was going on. He was um, dealing with the guilt and the shame of not only participating in that behavior, but also lying to me about it. So it was easy for him to just avoid everything altogether because when you do that, you don't have to feel any of any of the shame. And, and he knew that that's what, what had been going on. And so he admit, admitted that to the friend. And the friend highly encouraged him to talk to me. And he did. And um, we got back on track. 
in that moment at that time. Um, but that was, man, stonewalling used to be real rough. And now if he stonewalled me, I'd be like, bye. Like I, I used to be so attached to thinking that I needed that connection to him and I was the only one fighting for our marriage in those times and it was because I was so scared of um what was I scared of I don't think it was borderline sort of stuff I think it was more just like I was really scared of losing him like losing him to the dark side um, not losing him personally, but losing him to himself. Like I was scared of his mental health and scared of who he could potentially turn into in that stonewalling time. And so it was so difficult and it is, it's a power play. It's a form of control. Like if you decide you're not going to talk to somebody and it's over them bringing a concern to you. It's not over them being abusive to you, but it's over them because that's not called stonewalling, but it's over them bringing a concern to you. It's a power move to say, hmm, I'm not going to talk to you about this. Uh, what had happened earlier today with Dylan saying, hmm, I'm going to leave. Like that was, a power play and could have turned into stonewalling. It wouldn't. We're beyond stonewalling at this point in our relationship. We both need each other <laughs> in practical ways. We both need each other. Um, and he, and we're best friends. And so at some point it's like, yeah, okay, it's been a half hour. Can you please just stop? And he did. He did. He, I mean, I, I finally said to him, I was like, Dylan, I just like, we just got to cut, cut through this. Like, just being real and just being honest, like the way that you handled the situation this morning, it hurt. And it's like, it's not okay. Like this behavior hurts me and it hurts your kids. And he said, like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be this person. So we don't really, he, we, I say we, because I'm on the receiving end of it. I can't, I, I would never stonewall a person. I can't imagine stonewalling a person. After they confronted me, I would, I'd need to fix it. Like, I would need to fix it right away. Like, so to have that tension, I mean, it killed me. Like, when I was being stonewalled, like, ugh, no, I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how they do it. They do it. <laughs> Compartmentalize. I have a hard time with that. Um, justifying. So it's again that, yeah, but. It's it's giving a excuse that appears to be reasonable for an action that was unjustifiable. So um, I'm trying to think of a good example. trying to think of something that Cody Brown has done recently where he's justified his behavior. Uh, so 
Janelle, who is one of the sister wives, she just recently announced in the latest episode that she's leaving Cody. And I could see Cody saying, like offering a reasonable explanation for an unjustifiable, for his unjustifiable, uh, unjustifiable behavior by saying, well, it's because she's been talking to Christine and Christine has, who, Christine has also left Cody. All of Cody's wives have left him. I think even Robin at this point has left Cody. He, Cody made a comment in the last episode that now, or he said something on TikTok that now he has no wives. Um, so it would be him saying, like giving this justifiable reason for like, well, he, she left me cause Janelle is, or Christine has been rubbing off on her. And now Christine has brain, brainwashed her when this whole time, like Cody had this huge blow up with Janelle who is trying. Janelle has always been the level headed one on sister wives. Like she's always been the one to think wisely and be in her right mind and, um, she brought an, a concern that she had to Cody and he turned it into, if you guys have seen the episode over Christmas, he turned it into something it didn't need to turn into and stormed off on Janelle, stonewalled her for six weeks. And I could see him saying, well, Christine rubbed off on her. So justifying. Ooh, one of the great ones is history rewriting. So it's, um, Taking what happened and uh, acting like it never happened. Uh, so it's acting like um, you have no knowledge of the harmful act that you've done. So it would be John hitting the head in the ba- hitting hitting the kid in the head with the baseball bat, and then saying, "What? I didn't. I didn't do that." Maybe I bumped him in the head when I was moving stuff around. So it's just like, like blatantly rewriting what happened, but not so blatant, Um, not so blatant. Like you can see how somebody who is choosing to do this in a covert fashion could get away with, could get away with it. Like... I just hit, I was, oh, I must have, it must have happened when I was moving stuff around when clear, his like intentions were clearly to hit the, hit the kid in the head with the baseball bat. So, um, it's kind of, it's gaslighting. It's a, it's a form of gaslighting. Um, last one is just plain old lying, lying about what they've done to place themselves in a favorable victim light when, um, they are not the victim. And so it's just, it's downright lying, which, um, I've been on the receiving end of a lot. Um, and so have other people. So when you're lying, you're lying to other people about your behavior. And for me, that's difficult because it's hard to blame. It's hard to blame Jane Doe for believing Dylan when, you know, Jane Doe was lied to. Jane Doe should come to me and be like, did this really happen? And very rarely do they ever do that. But it's hard. It's hard to 
the blatant blatantly lying about something is difficult for the actual victim because when it's being done to to the victim so I was lied to for five years and Dylan was saying no I don't I went to treatment and he did he did go to treatment for the uh, sex addiction and the affair and all that and it was great and he also still lied to me for five years <laughs> just said it was great it was great he also still lied to me for five years saying I don't I, I'm not struggling with that anymore so you know, you break trust. Um, so no matter who you lie to, that's the result of lying to somebody is you're losing their trust. Your, your trust is affected. It cannot be. And the last one is magical. It's, it's magical thinking. It's thinking everything will be fine. We can work this out. It shouldn't be too hard. I'm sure change will just happen. A little help will do it. So if if, for example, you know, I find out Dylan was lying to me for those five years. This is a long time ago, by the way, guys. Like, this was like, let's see here. This is at least seven years ago. Um, it would have been Dylan being like, it's okay. It'll be fine. You know, so I'm on the receiving end of this horrific news. And Dylan is like, I'll go to therapy. We'll get it figured out. It'll be okay. It's a means of silencing the person who's on the receiving end of that terrible news. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's abusive. It's covert abuse because no, everything is not fine. You, you just, you just lied to me for five years and I don't need to be silenced. We need to, we need to talk about these things. So um, that's the list I've got, and I wanted to go over that list so that if you need words to put to what is going on, um, those are the words. Uh, if you would like that list, I can email you a copy of it. Um, if you are needing support, please reach out. We've, I personally, I've had... I've had several women reach out to me. Um, I've also had a couple of men reach out to me who have been in relationships that are very unhealthy. And um, that's an honor for me to be trusted, to be put in that position where I can be trusted. Um, and I don't, I don't take that lightly. That is, that's a gift. So I want you to know that um, if you're in a situation where you are on the receiving end of any kind of narcissistic abuse, I want to be there for you. And um, I'm not going to ever, I, I vowed to myself after Dylan took this class the very first time around that I would never play the devil's advocate again. So I used to do that and I regret it terribly where a person might have come into my office and said, um, my partner is doing something abusive. And I would have been like, well, you know, maybe they're thinking this when they're, when they're participating in that behavior. If I could go back in time and rewrite history, I would rewrite that part of history. Um, I am ashamed of doing that. I, that is secondary abuse. That literally, that's a great example of secondary abuse. I would, yeah. I just, 
I will never play the devil's advocate ever again. Um, so reach out for help if you need it. And I'm, I'm an ear to listen and support. And so is Dylan. It helps Dylan. Dylan's, Dylan has told me that. He, he said that actually in the last episode. He is in the hopes that by owning his behavior, he will be able to better work through his behavior. So, um, that's it. I did a little bit over 30 minutes, 10 minutes over. Pretty good. I'm looking forward to, um,